Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. Thanks for tuning in. You are going to absolutely love today's episode. Mm -hmm. Why the Bible is a book for foodies, though. Now, if you've been hanging around Why Though, you know that Ashley and I love some good food. We do. I might have a spreadsheet of everywhere you should go in every major city in America. Whatever, it's fine. She is not playing games, guys. Email me if you need a cost for different cities. Someone just said yesterday, oh my gosh, my sister's moving to London. And I was like, hold that thought, stand by. I will give you a list of every place you need to go in London. No problem. I got you. Oh, you're You're welcome. Over to Paris. Here's my Paris list. Like, I got you. I got you. (laughs) That's why I love you so much, friend. You do love me so much. And you know that when I'm with you in a few weeks, you already planned out dinner because you know I'm already thinking about it. I absolutely did. I'm like, let's have all the flight info. I know exactly where I want to take you. Let's do it. It's so fun. You My do foodie friend. The, you do live in the food mecca of we do. America. So we really do. Go. We're all just in the shadow of New York City. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Tacoma can throw down. You know what? It's not Man, that. Tacoma's food is so good, though. Seriously. I love eating there. And it feels all fresh and farm to table. It is it's just very a farm delicious to table. vibe. Yeah, very, very fresh. Like our she, food is going to rot in a day in New York, you know? Like ooh. the lettuce is bad. The produce is bad in like a day or two, you know? very European lifestyle going to the grocery store like every two days seriously (laughs) but not in Tacoma it's legit okay she's not she's not joking y'all in fact one of the restaurateurs from the French Laundry opened up a restaurant in Tacoma so we can we can play ball we can play ball you literally can it's amazing and the table the table if you haven't been to the table anytime you come to Tacoma go to the table very farm to table style it's amazing we need a why though meet up in Tacoma, <gasps> as a matter of fact, at the table. So you listeners, know what? Let's you do know that what? we're just going to start plotting it. It's happening. We are. Yes. No, April we actually are. It. It's, no, a, it's really. actually on the... It's going isn't to it, What isn't it? Third week of April, I think? We're figuring like it out. That. All right, people. Why the Bible is a book for foodies, though. Ashley, I can't think of two things I like more. The Word, get, get <laughs> learning about my Jesus, and food. <laughs> So tell me. Which is why you run SIP, by the way. I mean, right? <laughs> Fine two food favorite and things put together. And yes. sip some good velvety wine. Um, <laughs> but what, so this few weeks, as you know, listeners, we mm. are diving in, giving you just a good old taste of everything that's to come in Ashley's new book and why, my love. Did food fit? I believe in chapter seven. Is that right? Mm-hmm, that's correct. Tell me, tell me what made you think of that. Give me a little behind the scenes before we talk about it. Okay, so I think if you've been with us for a while, then you know you're probably wondering, wait a minute, how did this girl with an eating disorder become a person who's obsessed with food at the table? And to be honest, I don't really fully understand the mystery of the healing journey that God did in my heart when it comes to food, but I do Mm. know that food is such a sacred place. And, And when we're sitting at the table, there is this beautiful opportunity for us to open up to one another because we're sitting in our shared need. And the table so represented something beautiful in my own life. My mom was so great at putting like a great pot roast in the oven. And even though she worked two to three jobs at a time all the time, she still found a way to put food on the table. And I can remember coming in from school or practice or whatever was happening and smelling that food cooking and just feeling like the rest of the world 
was disappearing and that sweet love, the aroma of love was just enveloping me. Um, And I think it was just so powerful to feel love in that way and cared for and just to sit down at the table and sort of let the day wash away. And so the table has always been so incredibly important to me. So I started thinking about in the Bible, there's so many references to food, right? Like it starts in the beginning with Adam and Eve and that dang apple. (laughs) And then the whole Bible ends with this massive feast where we're all going to sit down together with Christ and all the saints of all the ages will be at this beautiful banquet. And so I'm like, it starts with this beautiful apple and how sweet of God to create this gorgeous ark that ends with a beautiful redemptive meal. I'm like, only mm. God could do something like oh, that. That's good, girl. And the table's the great leveler, right? Like when we're sitting at the table, like we're sitting face to face, nobody's above anybody else, nobody's below anybody else. We both have something that we need. And so it's beautiful to journey that way. So I wanted to talk about some of the meals in the Bible today that have really made a difference in my life. I'm sure Tiffany has several too, because, you know, if you read the Bible, you can see it through the lens of a foodie. You really yeah, can. You totally <laughs> can. food is present basically all the time. <laughs> no joke. One time I was, I don't know where I was reading in the word, but afterward I was so craving Mediterranean food because mm. that was the vibe I was getting. And then 100%. I was at Costco and I was like, why, yes, I do need this Mediterranean cookbook for $19.99. <laughs> you really do. And also a giant hummus for five ninety nine. dollars Chickpeas do me wrong, sister. I gotta, I gotta go get that oh, like no. white. I know, and hummus tastes like heaven. Oh, so oh good. it is. It is actually heaven on earth. <laughs> okay, so in, indulge me. What are some of your favorite meals? This is so. I okay. love this take. What a beautiful lens to look through. I love it. Mm-hmm. So my favorite take um, to start with is JL. And so you don't often think about JL as a person who has life at the table because JL is is um, a woman who is married to this very important man. And yeah. Deborah is a prophet and a judge, and she is leading the entire nation of Israel. And she has a commander called Sisera, and they're trying to get rid of this very, very bad guy. <laughs> so she sends out, Deborah sends out her commander to go get rid of this bad guy. And he's running. They get rid of the whole army except for the main the main general Sarah and he runs and goes to the tent of JL and so JL is a woman who has a choice to make here because he's in an alliance with her and her husband are in an alliance with this guy but he is not a good guy he's a very very bad guy and so she opens up her tent and she's like come on in yeah absolutely cool 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 and then she invites him in gives him some milk from our table from her table and then he drinks the milk and falls asleep And so at the table, after he sleeps, she drives a tent peg through his temple. Do y'all hear what I'm saying to you? She drives a tent peg through his temple and he dies immediately. And then Barack, who Deborah had sent out to take care of this, to get rid of this guy, shows up in jail as the one who has already handled the problem that needed to be handled. And so I think it's such a powerful way of looking at it. She knew he was a dangerous man. She knew he was oppressing and killing people. She knew that the right thing to do was to finish this job. And she did it. And it it was all from offering him sweet milk from her table. (laughs) Mm. And so it's such a table of, of freedom and justice. And it brought this beautiful opportunity for people to be able to be free yeah. And then that makes me think about Esther. You know, Esther is this wonderful woman, and we do romanticize her story and kind of make her the poster child of, you know, um, great opportunity and great strength, and in some ways rightly so. But the truth is this beautiful woman who is an orphan has now been put into a harem where she's mm-hmm. receiving all these beauty treatments and then gets selected by the king. And she has this wonderful opportunity to set people free because the king has an evil Um, leader, Haman, and he wants to, he's very racist, like about as racist as a human being absolutely can be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so he 
sets an executive order. He kind of tricks the king into doing it to eliminate all the Jews. So he's about to con commit mass suicide, uh, mass genocide of all the Jews. And Mordecai, who is a relative of Esther, comes to her and says, listen, you have to do something. And her first response, and I love this, is no. Are you crazy? He's going to kill me? Absolutely not. No. And Mordecai reminds her, well, who knows that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And she's like, mm -hmm. great. Have everybody start fasting and praying. And then she goes before the king, even though she's not supposed to. And in fact, he has the right to kill her if he decides that she shouldn't have come to him. But she goes to him and he, t he asks her, what do you want? I'll give you anything, even up to half the kingdom. And she just asked him for dinner. She's like, can yeah. I have a meal with you? Can I have a meal with you and Haman? And then she's able to discern timing and do all these amazing things. And when they finally sit down for the meal, she's able to expose Haman at the table for the racist that he is. And then they totally take care of him, get rid of him. And then there is an executive order to reverse the evil one that would have committed genocide against the Jews. And so it's a powerful way of sitting at the table and recognizing like the table is a place of vulnerability and the yeah. table is a place of exposure. And so you can't really hide at the table. <laughs> and I think that's the powerful lesson in Esther's story is that she knew when to have it and she knew that he would be vulnerable there but in the right ways and she knew that it would be a great opportunity to expose him and who he really is and because of that the genocide didn't happen so those are two of my favorites do you have some favorite stuff oh I just think um I want to comment on the Esther one I think especially because we I love how you said just really said it straight we romanticize that story and we act like it's the oh, bachelor and, we so and do walk right yeah, and really it was such a terrifying time for this very young woman who didn't Teenager. have a choice. Yeah, she didn't have a choice to be in this That's harem. Right. This was exactly against right. her will. And to be in this uncomfortable position and knowing that the right thing was also the hard thing to do. Yes. And to speak up on behalf of the voiceless, it's just truly moving. I think that is um, one of the most amazing things. It's beautiful. I think for me... Uh, this might sound a titch cliche, but uh, the Last Supper, I think it's so powerful to think mm, that Jesus sat with, sat with those yes. he loved, even even his betrayer. Yes, and the one that's he right. kissed and, and knowing that he was willing to sacrifice everything for the men at that table and also for the women that aren't mentioned. <laughs> yes, um, because and, they were there. Totally. They were always there and yes. truly go before all of humanity and sacrifice himself so we could know love and life and unity and companionship with the father um i think it's so beautiful in fact um for the first meal at our wedding we took communion because we want mm. our first meal to be remembering the goodness of jesus and his sacrifice so mm. i would say that for me and then i can't help but the wedding at cana my goodness the first miracle mm. water into wine yeah. i think that is <laughs> quite the gift so and beautiful oh yeah to think that uh you know even in weddings now you would save the cheaper wine toward when everyone was a little bit more liquored up and to think mm -hmm. that they saved the best for last and it was such um such symbolism and such foreshadowing jesus coming they saved the best for last it was jesus and mm -hmm. many of the disciples knew the meaning of what he was performing and knew what that meant so i am yeah. um, I, I love that Jesus used food so often, and I love your Old Testament yes, examples as well, how food played such a critical role um, in gathering and proving points and justice and exposure. I love that you included that. I was thinking so much, we're all equals at the table, but the idea right. of exposure, that was yeah. eye-opening to me. I think it's a really, um, it's a really powerful 
a thing to remember when we eat with people, even now when we have people over, we go to their house or even at a restaurant, there is such vulnerability because you've at least got 20 to 30 minutes while you're, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, while you're noshing on whatever it is you're Mm -hmm. eating. Think that, you know, you're not going to escape it. This is not a quick escape. You really are sharing your life and sharing your feelings and your thoughts and your fears um, Mm -hmm. as we build bridges. Yes, it's so powerful. I wanted to share when you talked about the the Last Supper, that's one of my favorites as well, because I think about Jesus taking a sweet respite because he knew what was coming. And in the midst of their chaos, you know, the the racism, the sexism, all the things they were dealing with, the political climate that they were in, the economic climate that they were in, man, it was a very, very hard time. We act like right now is a really hard time, but it's kind of always been this way. Yes. And so I love that he just gave them a sweet respite, knowing that he was about to die, knowing that more chaos was coming. He was like, come sit with me the table and let's commune together let's sit in community let's be still and enjoy one another and i think it's so important for us to remember that in the chaos of life or the busyness of life or the hustle the grind that it's important for us to actually get away together for a meal because it is a respite in the middle of a storm and nt wright says this when jesus wanted jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was about he didn't give them a theory he gave them a meal Mm. Oh, and how powerful is that? Like the Lord is such a God of relationship. I mean, he is creator of heaven and earth, but the fact that he's so present to us, that he is a comforter, that he's our advocate, that he's our very present help in time of need. He doesn't come and try to give us strategies and theories to download, although heaven has strategies. And I'm sure if you need one, God has that for you. But at the same time, when you're in the midst of chaos, when you're in the midst of not understanding what's happening, when you're in the midst of uncertainty or confusion, God gives a meal. And I think that is such a powerful life-giving truth and also something that we ourselves can serve to others. You know, if you recognize somebody's really going through something difficult or you yourself are going through something difficult, it's so important to gather with someone, whether it's over a quick cup of coffee or it's, you know, even if it's a FaceTime, I mean, it doesn't even, if you can't get to meals with the people that you love the most, so many of my people are scattered all over the U.S. <laughs> and so Same. doing a FaceTime, getting on a phone call, whatever it might be, but making sure that we take time to commune together to do that is really important and so like Jesus. A few years ago, a dear friend of mine was going through some of her hardest days and I didn't have the right words to say, but I knew I could feed her. So mm. I would always invite her oh, over, come so eat. Beautiful. And it was often after oh. Bible study, which didn't, our Bible study doesn't get over till like nine or 10 once we're all cleaned up and out of there. And so we would have dinner at like 11 PM mm. and come over. And I remember I would always well, my husband and I would always make her the same thing. And it was quick rice and pickled onions mm. and a six-minute egg and bagel seasoning and chopped up carrots, this little, like, Korean-inspired dish that we would love to make. Mm. And we knew she loved it. And it was something I knew I could nourish her. If I couldn't nourish mm-hmm. her mind and, and, and her feelings um, and have the right words, I knew I could nourish her belly and be present. And at the end of the day we might be very surprised how much a meal can do, right? Right, that's it. There's so much peace. I love how you said there was respite in the Mm. meal. Like more chaos was coming, not less for Jesus. I think that is such a powerful idea. He wasn't frantic. He had a meal. That's right. I think, you know, when, when hard times come, when someone passes away, or even when a new baby comes, what do we do? We offer food. Yes, we We offer, this is how I can, this is how I can serve you. This is how I can help you right now. Yes. Is yes. feed you is be present in this manner, and I always, I always tell people. They said, if you could do anything, what would you do? You know, when you get those questions, whether it's yes at a mixer where 
if may feel like you don't know what to say or don't know what to talk to or you know it's just the question you ask if you could do anything i always say i would be with my closest people my kindred spirits and have a beautiful two hour three hour <laughs> maybe even four right. hour meal yes by candlelight yeah and sip and talk and share our dreams and our hurts and our aches and our pains and our fears and our wishes and our hopes and our visions. I think that there's so much room uh, for us to see that this is a sacred act. This isn't just, and you know how everybody's like, "Mm, just eat to live. I'm like, no, I think it's more than that. It is. I think it's so much more than that. There's something so spiritual about it, which is, I think I wonder if that's why the enemy tries so hard to attack women with body image issues Mm. and why so many of us have struggled or are struggling with things like eating disorders. Because I think that the entire time you're at a meal, you're consumed with things that are wrong with you or you're consumed with what this meal is going to actually cost you or you're consumed with other things. And what it really distracts us from is intimacy and relationship. And so it's no shock to me that the devil would do that because it really makes so much sense. I mean, I I think about all I missed. I mean, I can't remember any beautiful meals from the time that I was really struggling with an eating disorder. Mm. I can't remember a time I really enjoyed being at the table or a time that I felt free while I was there. And then I always felt like I was hiding because I'm worried and concerned about what I need to do next. And so for me, being free of that has really opened up this wonderful avenue of relationship. And I I think so much about um, our cheese board episode or our frozen (laughs) pizza episode. And if you guys haven't listened to those, I encourage you to go back and do them. They're two of our favorites. But just the the times that I've had, you know, very simple things, even though I've loved beautiful meals out with people or when somebody really cooks like a wonderful, excellent meal, sometimes my favorite ones are we just throw a bunch of stuff from the fridge and set it out on the counter and just start talking and start being together and start getting yeah. honest and open and it's so powerful and so life-giving so I think if that's you and you're struggling too with maybe eating disorders or you're struggling with body image issues just recognize that there's a larger spiritual dynamic at play I'm not saying mm. it's all spiritual you know some of it's mental we have to get help I went through therapy I did so much to recover but it is spiritual because there's so much freedom for you on the other side of that. And there's so much freedom for you when you're not concerned about your waistline or how many pounds are on the scale, but you become concerned about the relationships that you're in and the beautiful gift that you bring to the relationships that you're in and what you can receive from others who you are in relationship with. And so I think it's really powerful to think about the meal in the Bible that it has so much to offer us. It's so powerful, so life-giving. I really, I would have never thought of it that way, that idea that for women especially, we don't enjoy this beautiful gift from the Lord because it's been hijacked by, Mm -hmm. as you said, body image issues and eating disorders and these things that really, really, really can have a hold on us. And I mean, society isn't doing anything to help that with our skinny tees and non-fat lollies that you diet you're gonna lose all this yeah yeah all this weight totally. it's crazy um, totally because food isn't the enemy gathering right. isn't the that's enemy right. that's right it really is something so sacred and so beautiful and i oh this one last thing i wanted to mention when i lived in london we would have these dinners and i i discovered this is quite common in europe it would start at like 9 p.m. dinner. Mm, dinner. I love we'd start. That. We'd start like drinks and appetizers at eight, but mm. the first course of like let's say a four course meal wouldn't be started till nine, and we would wrap it up around 12:30 in the morning. 
And mm. it was not rushed. I had never in my entire life done anything like that or had that long of a meal to really get to know somebody and really get to know somebody's yeah. heart and really get to hear somebody. And people who honestly were so different than I was politically, uh, you know, career, everything, yeah. relationally, so different. But when you're sat down by somebody and you know you're going to clock like four and a half hours or right. excuse me, three and a half, four hours yeah. there. There was something really beautiful about it. And honestly, I have to say my con- my compassion grew through those meals. Yes, I wasn't the same afterward. True. Right. I really wasn't the way I saw people who were so different than me. Um, we were really yes. equals at the table. And I also just yes. want to go back to the beginning of this episode, how you didn't bring up this, you know, these beautiful, lavish meals to start. You brought up, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, JL and mm-hmm. what she did on behalf of freedom and justice. And I love that that was mm-hmm. how you started because... It was in food and drink that she made her move yep. and made a decision that was a hard one, but it was a righteous one right? at that time. So I think that is so beautiful to remember that it's not all, you know, eating by candlelight. It can really give us courage and, and remind us that food is part justice, part connection, yes. part vulnerability, yeah. part exposure. Yes. It's all of it. Yes. And I think about um, one last thing, JL and Esther, thinking about using what they have in their hand. I don't mm. know what kind of power JL would have had outside of her table. Right. I don't know as a woman in her day if she would have had any other things to use except for her table and this tent peg. And so I think it's so powerful to think about what do we have in our hand? And sometimes it might only be a meal. <laughs> it might People might only come to us for that, or they might only be sitting at our table because we've created something for them. And at the same time, it gives us this great opportunity for freedom, for justice, for courage, for gumption, just like you just said. And it's just really so powerful, the opportunity that we have. So as women, and I know some men are listening to this too, but we just have so much we can offer to the world. Um, and we're not supposed to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. I hope y'all hear us. You know us by oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. at the same time, oh, the meal, it's just sacred and spiritual and wonderful. It really is. Okay. <laughs> one last thing I was thinking before we leave, um, just tell the people what they want to hear. Ashley, give them your favorite meal right now. Oh, my favorite meal right now. Oh my gosh, you guys, this is so embarrassing, but this is a snack I have like every single day. <laughs> so um, it's not even a meal. Honestly, it isn't. So I'm into salami, cheese, and honey Dijon kettle chips. Oh, that's, that's my a life meal. Right now, Are guys. you kidding me? If you don't think that's a meal, then you <laughs> <laughs> this relationship will lie. Because I know, that's a right? Meal. Because that's a full meal. I mean, that's been my life. Like, I actually have them sitting next to me currently, right now. <laughs> oh, I love it. How about you? (laughs) Okay, again, mine is not anything major. My favorite thing right now is Greek yogurt with this ancient grains Mm. uh, granola from Trader Joe's with cut up peach or blueberries on top. Ooh, sister. It's so good. So so yummy. Mm. Oh my gosh. I'm loving it. Well, listener, thank you so much for joining us again. This episode was inspired by Chapter 7 of my new book, Rise of the Truth Teller, which releases on October 1st everywhere that books are sold. You can get the digital copy. You can get the audio version. You can get the Kindle version. And the great news is if you pre-order, I have so many fun things for you. My favorite planner, Horatio Printing, is giving you 20% off. I have a digital a video like bundle. It's three different videos where you can learn to own your own story, to tell your truth, and also to figure out what are the indicators of your calling. And then I have an amazing wallpaper bundle where you can have really cool quotes from the book, like do no harm, but take no mess. And you can have those right there on your (laughs) cell phone to look at every single day as a reminder to live your life with holy gumption. So we love you guys. So glad that you tuned in to join us this week.
Yes, check it out. Go have fun at the table. Bye. Mm. Love it. (laughs) Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.